Hello everyone, welcome to episode 5 of The Deerhorn, a Seattle Lombard podcast for the curious and committed. I'm your host Jay Ryan and I wanted to talk about the curious a little bit. I've had a few people reach out to me in recent times saying that they wanted to get into Seattle Lombard and they wanted to know the best place to, you know, ask questions without feeling dumb and, and they said, uh, should I ask on YouTube? Should I ask on Muff Wiggler? And I recommended they go check out Lines because I think Lines is probably the friendliest, safest, and, and most supportive forum online. I've, I've learned so much from there and met so many great people. So whoever it was I directed over there, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, Lines is actually where I found today's guest, Mr. Crucifix, a.k.a. Josh Rodriguez. Before we get into talking about what we talked about, there's a couple things I wanted to touch on. Uh, number one, as you probably have heard, Peter is now moving to Berlin. Uh, the Synth Mall store is closed. I think he might actually be in Berlin now by the time that this is out. And there's no way to get Siet Lombard on this side of the pond anymore. Unless, of course, you buy used, in which case uh, people want a lot of money right now. I've seen a Coco Qantas on Reverb for damn near $4,000 uh, Canadian dollars, and uh, please don't buy that. Uh, <laughs> if you're going to buy new from Patchpoint, it's way, way, way cheaper than that, and, and they're just a killer bunch. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens uh, as them and Peter become one. Another thing I wanted to talk about is is this is an episode with a DIYer. It's something I've wanted to do for a while strictly because of lines. If you've ever been on the Seat Lombard forum there, you'll see that 90% of the talk is around paper circuits and the DIY world. But uh, I was listening to an interview with David Rossum, I think it was on maybe Hanging Out with Audiophiles, Jamie Liddell's podcast. And he was talking about back in his uh, emu days where people wanted to start trying to clone his instruments and just even clones in general. And he said this quote that I absolutely loved. Well, I don't know if it's a quote, but but a state made a statement that I quite enjoyed. And uh, basically it was that the biggest thing you can hope for in an instrument you design is that people love it and they have no idea why. And I think that sums up pretty much all the Seattle Lombard stuff for me. Like, yes, there's obvious things. It's it's the sound, it's the feel, it's the smell. But I think what David was talking about is the magic that some instruments have that you just can't put into words. And, and someone like Behringer is never going to be able to figure that kind of thing out. And I think, you know, that's why we work a little bit harder and maybe save a little bit longer to get these instruments like this because it's absolutely worth it for that magic. Maybe that was a bit lame, but I, I do honestly feel that way. These instruments were basically life-changing for me as far as being a, a synthesis and sound designer goes. But yeah, back to Josh. So, 
we get into talking about lots of technical stuff. I'm pretty dumb when it comes to the DIY world and uh, I think that probably shows in this chat, but this isn't for me, it's for you. And I hope to do uh, some interviews with more DIYers going forward, because like I said, that Lines community is massive. And hopefully you guys listen to this podcast, because this is for you. Uh, Josh talks a little bit about how one of the first things he ever circuit bent, which was a speak in maths, ended up in the hands of Dan Deacon. He also talks about paper circuits that haven't made it into any of Peter's instruments. We have a little fun chat about 3U versus 4U size and why 4U is preferable. God, I love banana jacks. <laughs> we talk about the shinth, which I actually ordered but have not received when there was only two things left on synth mall. I got a little, uh, sum of money from my family for Christmas and that was where I decided to spend it. So hopefully on the next episode I'll talk about the shinth a little bit. And then Josh also talks about, or sorry, recommends a circuit, or, or sorry, recommends one of the paper circuits that he feels to be the best for a beginner. So if you're listening to this episode, you haven't built anything, you're kind of curious about jumping in, if you listen to this, Josh will uh, give you a recommendation, and I'm sure if you have any troubles in your build, uh, he'd have no problem helping you if you reached out. And just before we jump right in here, uh, he uh, recently started building mini rollsers or mini rolls that he's offering as a uh, built-to-order deal. So if you have no interest or ability to build yourself, this is something you can uh, cough up your money and Josh will build it and get it sent out to you. He even lets you pick your LED colors. It's pretty cool stuff. Uh, I'll throw a link in the notes here so that you can get a hold of him if you're interested in that. Uh, he also filled me in on a couple other things. Uh, Richard Brewster recently got his Quantasy pedal PCBs working, and there is now a schematic for that available. And I believe Josh also sent... Uh, I'm not sure what he sent, but I know that he made something and sent it to Peter, and it just showed up at Patchpoint, and that's pretty damn cool, Josh. Uh, here's our chat. So the first thing I wanted to ask, if you don't mind, uh, you mentioned when we were chatting that you haven't had a cell phone for eight years. Yeah. Would you, would you mind talking about that a little bit? Uh, sure. I just, um, that's one part of technology that I don't enjoy. Um, I've never really, really liked cell phones. Um, I, uh, 
yeah there's been many times in life where i haven't owned one uh but i would say this is the longest span so it's not like a hippie like anti cell phone thing it's no. more just it's no, not, not, at all. not at all not at all cool i i just i thought that was pretty interesting um well from there let's talk about uh let's talk about where you grew up and how you got into music uh, sure. Um, I grew up kind of bouncing back and forth between Appleton, Wisconsin, and uh, New London, Wisconsin, and Hortonville, Wisconsin. Uh, they're all kind of within a 20-mile radius of each other. Um, yeah, uh, getting into music, we had, uh, I, I should say, I got exposed to early industrial music when I was younger. Um, so synthesizers were a huge, huge, or are a huge uh, part of industrial music. Uh, so that obviously struck my interest. Uh, there is an artist named Kevin Key, and he's from a band called Skinny Puppy. And I'm a huge, huge Skinny Puppy fan, um, like really, really diehard fan. I was introduced to them when I was like eight years old. Um, I had an uncle who was a diehard fan, and I basically grew up on that. So... We had a local guitar center in our area, like when Guitar Center first became a thing in our area um, in Appleton, Wisconsin. And I had went there and they had some Korg um, synthesizers and I used to go there all the time and just play with them after school. Um, never, obviously never had the money to buy something like that. Like um, what would they have had at that time? Uh, one of the first ones that I had seen, now this isn't when I was really, really young, this is when I was a teenager, one of the first that I had fell in love with was the microcorg, the one with the vocoder, um, that absolutely fell in love with that, and I used to go jam on it all the time, and they used to get really, really annoyed with me at Guitar Center, um, <laughs> Uh, but then, I, I don't know, I had discovered circuit bending. Um, Reed Gazala had put out a book early, early on in my electronics like findings, and I found this book, I think it was called like The Guide to Circuit Bending or something like that, and it had a whole, whole bunch of stuff about the speak and spell in Cantor. Um, and I kind of, I, I went around, found some local pawn shops, and I actually found a speak and spell like the day that I found that book. Um, and I kind of got lucky. <laughs> yeah, I got to circuit bending and I fell in love with it. Um, I've bent a couple instruments. Um, are you familiar with an artist named uh, Dan Deacon? I am. I, I haven't followed his work, but sure. there was a time back when. Uh, you remember like when. I guess it was around 2010 when Chill Wave was big, like sure. washed out, Neon Indian, all that stuff. I remember coming across his work uh, back then, but I never, I never dug deep into it personally. But sure, yeah, sure, I know, who, I know who he is. I know he's, uh, he's quite the chaotic synth person. Yeah, um, he has one of my, um, one of my first speaking or uh, speaking maths that I bent. Um, I had gifted to him after one of his shows, and that was pretty cool. Um, so I mean, I don't know. It just kind of got me really, really excited. He traveled around with a, uh, basically an OP one, a little mixing desk and a, like a function generator for the longest time just to make his music on his live set. And it was amazing. Like um, just a function generator? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, there was some other stuff that he was doing as a, as a side project called Paradolence Bird, um, where he was actually doing throat singing along with a function generator or a, a signal wave generator. Um, oh, wow. Really, really, really cool stuff. Really unique. Yeah. 
So have you got to see him like using your your speaking spell since? I, I I haven't, but I have seen him playing around with a lot of the modular stuff, and it's really cool to see artists like that who started out in the more chaotic means going into the realm of modular. And his last album was absolutely full of modular stuff. It was really cool. He, I know he has a system or an A100 system uh, from Doper. Um, cool. But I, yeah, I don't know. He he got into a lot of really unique stuff. Um, one of my favorite things he did was he has a player piano um, that he sends MIDI triggers to. And I mean, it will trigger like every other key, like in a really, really fast fashion. It's absolutely incredible. And it will play throughout his entire song. Um, he used to get really, really nervous about uh, the solenoids breaking on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> so j- just to jump back a bit there. So you came in with like no training or anything when you jumped into circuit bending your first few things. Right. No training at all. Um like what exactly is involved in that um well a lot of it is learning about probing uh your circuits and finding different spots uh, obviously reading data sheets on the uh, on the actual ic's uh but then probing circuits and finding different spots that are going to react to different things um sometimes you can put a potentiometer in a spot that you would never think you could put a uh, put a potentiometer and it will alter the pitch of the signal uh um there's so many various little things um for instance adding an ltc 1799 uh which is a timing oscillator or um uh, it has another name for it i can't think of it at the moment uh but you can completely change the clock on a speaking spell or you can completely change the clock on a game boy with that actually you can change the clock on a lot of things with with that chip um uh, Casio SK1s, for instance, you can completely do a pitch bend with those as well. Um, so it's just finding the different spots that are producing the sound on these chips. A lot of manual reading, a lot of old diagram reading is what I do. So as someone who like doesn't have a clue about electronics, yeah. which um, is me and probably sure. some of the listeners, the the clock thing you're talking about is that more in terms of like a sample rate clock like something where it's going to affect the the tone or uh, it's going to be like the actual speed of uh, the function of the chip um so like uh you have a five megahertz clock on the inside of a game uh, um, i believe on the inside of a game boy is a five megahertz clock and then you're just bypassing that clock that's keeping it at a certain rate for the uh the gpu on inside of the game boy um Basically, you bypass that, and a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll add a switch to it, um, so you can switch back and forth between the original clockings in case the IC actually crashes, which happens a lot with Game Boys, from my understanding. Right. It happens a lot with speaking spells. I, I ran into... I've, I've, I've destroyed a couple speaking spells in, in my time. But like I said, uh, well, like you said, no knowledge of circuits in the beginning... You destroy a lot of things. <laughs> That's got to be part of the fun, right? Yeah, yeah, it can be. As long as you can afford it? Sometimes. Well, that's that's the nice thing about toys, and that's the nice thing about circuit bending. A lot of that stuff is pawn shop finds or garage sale finds, and, and some of it costs you 25 cents, and, you know, it's worth figuring out on 25 cents. Totally. 
So how did all of that take you down the modular rabbit hole? Oh boy. <clears throat> Look, Mum No Computer released his Cosmo modules uh, as DIY PCB and panels. Uh, his very first one was the 1113 Renee Schmidt's MS-20 filter, um, which is a MS-20 clone of uh, lovely filter. filter. Clone. Yeah, lovely filter. And that's this big guy right here. Um, and then right after that, he did the VCLFO. And I was following Look Mum No Computer because both he was both circuit bending and at the time back then, because I was into Game Boys as well, with along with the speaking spells, I got into LSDJ for a little while. Uh, so a little bit of chip tunes here and there. Um, he had posted some stuff where he was creating Cosmo, and some of his very, very first uh, synths, or some of his very first videos, was the Game Boy Triple Oscillator, um, where he was running three Game Boys in his Cosmo setup. And they each had a programmable cart. I'm not sure what the program was. It wasn't LSDJ, but it was some type of oscillator. Um, and he was running all three of those. And it just, it just beautiful harmonies. And I was like, well, I got to find out more about this guy. And he had mentioned in the end of the video that he had a Patreon. Uh, so I went and followed his Patreon. And this is oh, some years ago. Uh, I want to say two and a half years ago. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I remember like hearing his name before I even got into this world for sure. Like his yeah. YouTube kind of blow, blew up. Yeah, and then um, it, it took him about a year before he finally decided he was going to make PCBs and panels. And because I was a Patreon follow, I was—I I guess I, you could say I was an early adopter of Cosmo format. Um, and so, yeah, it kind of blew up from there. And then I built a Euro rack, which is a little further over on the side. Um, and then I started building my own modules in Cosmo format. I learned KiCAD just on a whim. I, I had, what is that? Uh, KiCAD is a PCB uh, software. Okay. Um, it's a PCB and schematic software. So you can make schematics, you can make PCBs. Uh, if you know what you're doing, you can make panels. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I got really good at that really, really, really fast. Um, and I've been making a lot of PCBs and that's kind of how I got into the whole Seat Lombard thing. Um, yeah, it, it, it really evolved really, really fast. I've only been doing PCBs, uh, for about a year. Um, but yeah, the modular, it just, it just kind of blew up really fast for me. Like you just got sucked in and yeah. you couldn't stop. Yeah. Yeah, because that's kind of why I wanted to have you on because, you know, like I'm I'm a huge Seattle Lombard guy and I'm always on the forum on lines and like 90% of the time it's like DIY stuff and I'm like, well, yeah. this makes no sense to me. But, but it's clear that a ton of people are interested in it. A ton of people are going that route and, and you are one of the more common people I've seen posting things. So I'm like, I got to hit this guy up. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and that's absolutely awesome. Um, there's a lot of very, very knowledgeable people in the Lions forum and a couple other forums that I frequent. Um, Seat Lombard is a very, very amazing and esoteric thing. Um, I think a lot of people appreciate both the mysticism of Peter <laughs> as well as the actual functionality of his circuits. Um, 
Some people will say, oh, hey, his circuits are just noise, but there are some people who can make some of the most beautiful, harmonious music I've ever heard with his instruments. And not to mention, I mean, a lot of the paper circuits, yes, I get it, they're noise circuits. They're meant to be. But they're examples and, and I guess you could say, installations of what certain sounds could be. Uh, they give you certain ideas of what the potential of a circuit could be. And, and Peter said it himself, a lot of his early paper circuits are just early formats of something that evolve. So would you mind explaining what a paper circuit is for a dummy? Oh, sure, absolutely. Um, a paper circuit is a basically a slapped together, often a geometric pattern or organic formation of a circuit, something that you would see as a schematic, but a little more beautiful. Um, and then often it will have two sides and split in the middle, and then you can fold it in half. Uh, so it'll have the top, which would be the silk screen, and it'll have light traces on the silk screen. That way you can kind of get an idea of where everything's gonna go. Um, and then the bottom will be dark. So that way you can see where all of the, uh, I guess you could say, bus wires need to go. Uh, you fold them, fold the piece of paper in half. Uh, usually you put like a, a piece of cardboard, uh, not thick cardboard, something like a cereal box in between it. And then you poke holes through it and then you place your components just like you would a PCB. Uh, basically you're making a PCB out of paper. Uh, the traces on the bottom are where you bend all of the legs and that's how you make the the traces that would be in the PCB. Wow. So it, that's not something that's like specific to see at Lombard though. Right? Not at all. Not at all. Yeah, People yeah, have yeah. been doing paper circuits for a very, very long time. Um, there's a lot of good examples out there. Actually, there's a lot of, I guess you could say children's um, tutorials for how to do some very, very basic circuits like on and off lights and stuff like that, or buzzers and things like that out of paper. Then um, some toys, I used to work at a, a Galaxy Science and Hobby, which is now a defunct hobby store. They don't exist anymore. They were open for about 30 years though. Um, but they used to sell all kinds of cool sciencey stuff. And some of them were like snap circuits. And they were plastic circuits that you would put together that had, you know, a resistor on the inside of a plastic casing. And they were for kids to learn how to do circuits, almost like uh, an old circuit lab. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I was a kid, my friend had this set that was like, I don't know what you call it, but it was just like, you basically, you get a diagram and it had a simple circuit board and the same thing. You could do like lights and on and off things. But yeah, it was just basically like for dummies. And I've always wanted to find that since because I'm like, that might be a good way for me to start to understand this stuff a bit. Yeah, there's some really, really cool ones out there. Um, there's some that have been modified to be utilized as like, uh, uh, you know, surge modular systems or to be utilized with surge modular systems. Um, for instance, the EB labs, I believe it's like the EB 600. Um, that's all computing and it's all logic gates so it can definitely be utilized for signal path so with the Seat Lombard paper circuits like 
There's a lot, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there really are. Um, Peter posted a long while ago uh, a zip folder, um, and that zip folder contained a lot of his conversions in Osmond format, or his PCBs in Osmond format. Now, I don't have a Mac, so I, I, I don't convert the PCBs. All the work that I've done, I've done Laborious, laboriously is the best way to say it. Um, so yeah, I've made my own master silk screens and everything like that. Um, sorry, my cat. <laughs> um, yeah, I've made my own master silk screens uh, based on all of Peter's work. That way, I can you know put out these PCBs. And mind you, I've done all of these with with Peter's permission. I, I don't go out of my way to just go like rip some guys stuff off by any means <laughs> um, i'm sure he appreciates that yeah yeah so like are most of those circuits just like the individual parts of things that make up a lot of his instruments or some like of them are um some of them are not uh there's a couple that have never made it to actual you know functional instruments um so let's talk about those oh sure um I think one's called like the radio zither or radio zithomizer. Uh, some of them he has done as actual instruments, but there are some paper circuits that are uh, like early versions of them. I have absolutely no idea how to build a couple of them. And so I haven't converted every one of them yet. Um, there's one that has a whole bunch of, uh, I don't know if it's Chinese or Japanese characters on the like, around the the circuit itself i have no idea what any of it says um so yeah there uh, also like the deer horn there's there's a large series of deer horn circuits nobody knows how to build them um i think maybe four or five people have produced the pcbs and i have one in the works that i i want to do the spiralius but I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment um nobody's gotten them to work except for one guy over in like germany he, he built a spiralius and uh so far he's the only one i've seen get a deer horn to work um n like the non-instrument version yeah yeah like he built one basically yeah yeah and it's it's really really wild uh i believe there's a total of four four or five pa different paper circuits or variations of the deer horn circuit um and they're radically different i mean one of them is very similar but peter had this instrument and it's a rare instrument called rules gui or gui i i, I don't know how to say it um, I don't know how to say anything. Yeah, yeah. We just but make it's a, words up. Yeah, he calls it a Baroque <laughs> instrument. And um, I think I think the word is Jagerspatch. It's from the language Jagerspatch. Um, and that was basically plum butter with an old variation of a different type of deer horn that he had created. Okay. And a lot of his early, early iterations of circuits were very, very neat. Um, like right now I'm working, uh, I'm currently fixing a, an old Sid Rassi organ. And the old Sid Rassi organ is what became the Sidrax. Um, and he has a paper circuit for one called the Tetrazi Organis. And the Tetrazi Organis is what became the Tetrax organ. Um, but the paper circuit is very, very large. 
Uh, that's one of his largest ones, other than like the forces with the ARP surge and the intersection. And I mean, he has some really, really big circuits out there. Um, he had done this uh, thesis. Uh, it's a very, very long thesis. You can find it online. Um, Is that like on his blog or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah okay, I've read that, but I'll, I'll post the link in the notes for this just so people yeah, can find it. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's absolutely massive. And within there, he had posted some original circuits that he had done, all based off of early relaxation oscillators and things like that. And he basically made a large, large tapestry filled with oscillators. And it's just absolutely phenomenal stuff that he was doing early on. Um, I mean, some people don't realize uh, he was, from my understanding, he was uh, doing an internship with Bukla and then studied under Bukla. And I mean, if you get to study under Bukla, you learn some pretty cool things, I would assume. <laughs> Um, so I, I believe that's where a lot of the evolutions of these circuits come from that and like surge type style stuff. It's just phenomenal to me. And that's what really drew me into it. I, I love that he's open about his influence too. You know, like oh, yeah. I've heard that thing about studying under Buchla before, but yeah. yeah, like, you know, he says like in his descriptions and stuff on the site that this is inspired by surge or Buchla or ARP or whatever. Yeah. And it, and I think it's cool that he like pays, you know, tribute to that or whatever. But at the end of the day, like you still know, however he put this together, it's very much his brain that makes it the instrument, you know? Very much so. Very much so. Because like I've spent some time with Bukla and Surge as well. And like I can see similarities for sure, but there's an experience involved that's certainly different. Well, sure. And, and those are actually worlds that I have yet to tap into. I, I think the next direction I'm going to go, I'm still going to stick around with Seat Lombard because I absolutely love this. Um, but the next direction I'm going to go is Surge Modular for sure. Um, I'm starting to take a lot of interest in some of the stuff that people are putting out. Um, there's a lot of people who seem to be resurrecting and creating new stuff in like the 4U format. And it's really, really cool to see. I like that it's bigger, too. I, I don't like 3U. I, I genuinely don't. It's too small. You're not alone. <laughs> I, I won't knock it. I did my time, but I sure. definitely prefer 4U as well. And, and yeah, like I have some friends that are doing their own designs in Surge format. Then there's people like Charlie at Loudest Warning that is taking other people's designs and putting them in the Surge format. So it's kind of cool in the sense that if, you, if you're not a fan of the size of Eurorack, there's a lot of doors now for people who want to get into, you know, having things like clouds and all these cool digital modules, but, but still working with bananas and in a bigger interface. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I, I don't know. I, there's something about banana jacks uh, and something about the plugs. Uh, they feel so sturdy and solid. Uh, there's something about them. Yeah. I just love them. So with Peter's circuits, like, are, are they drastically different from like a standard say filter that you built in the Cosmo format or whatever? Just like I said, I don't know anything about this and I'm just curious, like I've heard people have opened up Peter's synths who are very experienced and looked at them and been like, Oh boy. <laughs> Some of them are really out there. Like you don't, 
know why some of the stuff functions the way it does. Um, like some of the cyclical behavior, uh, for instance, saying the roles, uh, not just the roles, specifically the roles that have CV control with the, mul uh, the multi-vibrator and the ARP surge section. It's really, really, really unique how he puts some of the stuff together. Um, but then you look at something like Dog Voice and he has two basic ladder filters sitting on the, or transistor ladder filters sitting on the inside of it. And I mean, yeah, that, I have a transistor ladder filter. Mind you, it wasn't original Cosmo format. It was somebody who built it in Cosmo format. But I have a ladder filter that was almost identical to some of the sections of Dog Voice, which is really, really cool to see. Um, he has some really very basic oscillators in there. Um, some really, really easy stuff to put together. But then he also has some stuff that makes you really scratch your head, like, how does this work? Yeah, yeah. So the dog voice, is that, like, the same voice that's in the AV dogs kind of deal? Or, well, like, on the plum butter? No. Uh, those are very, very different things. Uh, dog voice was a creation that he had did with uh, Dan Conrad. And the whole basis of it was originally to control light. Um, and he had something called the multi-positional super oscillator system as well. I, I haven't built any of that yet, but I did build all of the Conrad papers and dog voice. It, now everything in the Conrad papers, the swoop, the anti-swoop, the rando, the anti-rando, the preamp and the anti-preamp, those all six of those modules are to control light, but he wanted something to produce sound out of it. Um, so he created the dog voice, which is basically two filters and like four oscillators sitting around the filters that bounce off. Not, no, 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 that's forces. I'm sorry. Two oscillators that sit around these two filters. Um, I mean, it's a really, really, really basic setup. It's, it's nothing drastic on that one. Um, yeah, it's, it's really not until you get into the stuff like Coco Qantas where it's like, holy crap, the whole Coco Dobly system and, and the, way, the way his sample and holds work and the way the Quantusi works, it, it's just, ah, man, he does some really, really amazing stuff. <laughs> is it just the way that that like they affect each other and stuff, you mean? or It is, it is. Um... From what I'm gathering, like on the whole Quantussy section, you have you have five 4052 um, counters, and they're basically plugged into each other, and they're repeatedly feeding the signal back into each other, and it just becomes absolute chaos. And then there's a wow. flip-flop circuit in there as well that's connected to all of it. And just the way it works is just something very very special <laughs> so like the chaos knob would be kind of like an attenuator for that hey and the more you turn it up the more they feed back into each other yeah 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 and then you have three different uh, i believe it's three different speeds um yeah that are junctioning the 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 different capacitors between each other yeah it, it's so cool when you have like some of them are at audio rate some of them are at you know mid lfo rate and other yeah. ones are lower like but that they still all interact, right? Yeah, yeah. And mind you, this is from my studying. I don't own a Coco Qantas yet. <laughs> um, I've only gotten to virtually explore one, 
where because I have a friend who has one, um, and he gave me a nice tour. <laughs> I guess you could say. Um, sure. And uh, just staring at videos, a lot of video, a lot of Heinbach stuff, um, a lot of different people's explanations, um, and following people in the forum, reading literally everything Seattle Lombard related I can. <laughs> Um, and, uh, not to mention, actually, that's one of the circuits I'm working on right now is a while back, I want to say 2010, maybe 2011, Peter had, uh, posted the original documentation for the Quantosi. Um, and it was five pedals. I don't know. You can actually see it up here on my wall. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Uh, that's the five pedals of the Quantasi. Uh, those are the PCBs that I'm working on next. Um, I'm probably not going to release those because that's a little bit, you know, territory I don't want to step into. Um, sure. But I'm definitely going to experiment with them myself and play around with them. And, you know, I'll probably post the Gerbers and let people build them for themselves, but I don't want to sell that one because right. it's literally part of the Coco Quantas. Is that uh, a shanth I see by your Euro rack there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you tell me a little bit about that thing? The shanth is really, really cool. It uses a programming language called Shalisp. Um, and Shalisp is very, very, very much above my head, but it's also a very basic programming language from my understanding. But I'm not going to lie to you. I am very dumb when it comes to programming. Um, even HTML, I am super dumb. Um, computers are not my forte. Also, another reason I don't own a cell phone. Computers are not my forte. Um, I know how to put patches on it and I know how to mix patches around and start moving some of the, you know, bubbles around within, uh, it has a, uh, a basic editor called fish, which is fish, all, yeah, 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 yeah. it's a visual editor. And, um, you can move some stuff around and get some pretty cool effects just by utilizing other people's codes. Um, and I've had a lot of success with that. It's a very, very unique and cool instrument. I think a lot of people, have overlooked it in the synth world and it's unfortunate um it's unique very 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 unique well i know like i'm kind of scared off by it because i have no desire to program and like personally i tend to prefer more melodic stuff than noise oh sure but but from what i've heard from the people that have made it do either of those things i guess melodic or noisy like it has a cool crunchy digital sound from what i gather like it it, it's got a sound too, right? Yeah, there's ways to to get it to be harmonious. Um, there have been some people who have created some really, really good patches for it where literally every key does something, and then you can start to program it in your head of, hey, this key's going to do this, and then you can start creating your own you know, melodies and stuff out of that because you know what key's going to do what sound, but then you can start getting really, really chaotic with it when you start touching the bottom, which is called the corpus, um, the, those antenna are really, really sensitive. Like some, some things it'll pick up from a distance, like proximity. Uh, some things you really, really gotta be touching them. It's gotta feel like the resistance of your hands. Um, Have I seen patches where people like blow on it? Yeah. Too? Yeah. There's yeah. a microphone right in the middle of it beneath the orange button. Um, I've taken the thing apart <laughs> a couple times. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's really neat. Uh, 
I've screamed into it and moaned into it, and it's like digitized my voice, and it's really, really neat. I actually have a video on my YouTube of, of it, like screaming at it and digitizing my voice. <laughs> oh, cool! I'll check that out after. Yeah. I can throw that uh, in the notes as well. Sure. I think that'd be interesting. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to ask before we completely get off the the paper circuit topic. So with there being 8 million out there, let's say someone listens to this and they want to try and build their first thing um, out of the paper circuits. Is there something you'd recommend that's kind of easier or? Yep. Uh, Lil Sidrassi. Um, that is the absolute beginning, I should say, for anybody. Um, it's only got one obscure part and it's a JFET uh, or a TO92 JFET. I can't remember what, exactly which one it is. Um, but other than that obscure part, that is by far the easiest paper circuit to learn. Um, otherwise, uh, there's a, a series of paper circuits called Rolls 5. And the basic rolls, you know, two, uh, I'm sorry, three roll, four roll, five roll, and six roll, building those are really good training for learning how to do paper circuits because they're very curvy and you get the idea of how to move the traces or bend the traces. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. I've had a couple friends build those actually locally. Yeah. I haven't got to play with them yet, but. Rolls five is super fun. <laughs> if rolls five is basically plum butter without, uh, without man with the red steam, uh, which is yeah. the, the binary counter and without the, the snare and stuff. Yeah, and the deer horn. Yeah, and the deer horn. I always forget about that. Yeah. Well, and yeah, the, and like rolls five doesn't have the CV rolls, so you don't have you know the CV activated rolls. The verso and inverso. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, I have a plum butter. It's my absolute favorite. Oh, instrument. nice. Very cool. Yeah. No, I'm I, I've had that thing for a while now, and I love it. And I I think with the rolls five, there's no inputs though, right? Like it's just sound. You can't use it to process external audio. Is that correct? Well, <laughs> you can modify on, on rolls five. You can modify the ultrasound filter. You can modify the AV dogs and you can modify the, the gongs all to bring in external sound. Um, but traditionally, no, no, it, it's yeah, more yeah. so to just pull off of the, the rolls. That's where you're, what you're putting into the ultrasound filters. And that's where you're really, really getting your sounds. That ultrasound filter is really something. Eh? It is. It's super cool. There's a way to modify it to get a high frequency out, and God, it is piercing. It is a very, very high frequency. Yeah, I don't think I want to hear that. <laughs> uh, there's a way to pull a square wave out of the AV dogs. That sounds really nice, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done. I've got some decent waves out of those, like more harmonically rich stuff with like self FMing and changing the mode type and stuff. Um, but the ultrasounds I've like ran field recordings in and like fine tuned the rate of the ultrasounds and got like insane sub bass out of like bird chirps and stuff. Oh, that would be really cool. I, I, I genuinely like my goal, like in ev my end goal is to get a plum butter and a cocoa Qantas. Um, I, I, I don't own either and it drives me nuts. I basically built a plum butter, Yeah, uh, but, but. Like I said, I, and I, I built a, uh, a shift register, you know, in Eurorack, which basically acts as my man with the rest of the team. But, right. um, 
yeah, I, I don't know. I, I genuinely really want one. After building rolls five, it, it really inspires somebody to want a plum butter because it's like the the super superior version of rolls five. But it's like it's cool that you can still get that, you know, clicky rhythmic chaotic compliment if you don't want to spend like all the money on plum butter, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and also there's other makers out there like uh Mung Mung Chi. Um yep. he made Rolls Five as a solid board, like one single board. And he did a really, really cool thing. He used four millimeter bullet connectors with it. And a lot of people put them in cases. I mean, they go for an astronomical amount when people put them in cases. But the PCB is about 100 bucks, And it's a really big PCB, but it's an easy build. Right. Hey, do you mind talking about your music a little bit? Uh, <laughs> I, I just thought it was funny. You know, you were talking earlier about how some people have done amazing, beautiful things with Peter's instruments. And then I know you prefer the noisier side. It seems like there's not a ton of in-between. Like, it seems like people that love the Seat Lombard stuff are either, like, beautiful textural stuff or just pure chaos. It, it seems to work equally as well in, in either place. Yeah, it really, really does. And and there's, I mean, there's people who touch, not, not many, but there's a couple people who touch on both realms. Um, you can hear some of it in, in certain artists' sounds uh for instance nine inch nails they did uh oh what the heck song was it dream eater i think where they used the plum butter uh, oh cool i mean so you you can hear some of those sounds in some people's music out there but it, it seems like nobody's subtle with the fact that they're using seat lombard gear no um like <laughs> if if they have if they own a coco Qantas, they're like yo i own a coco Qantas. look at me <laughs> And yeah. <laughs> nobody is subtle with it. it I'm guilty of that. <laughs> they'll, they'll post a sales post for a Eurorack module, and their plum butter or Coco Qantas is sitting behind it. And it's like, okay, we get it. You have one. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I've seen it so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, but in regards to the music, it's like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The, there's two extremes, and there really is no true, true middle ground. Um, I don't know. So have you put out any records or anything? No. Like, I know you, you sent me your, your SoundCloud, which I thought was actually pretty interesting. I just make noise. Um, I, I, I do not consider myself to be musically inclined. Um, I sometimes like to put things together, but I, I'll never be one of those persons who makes an actual track. Um, that's, that's not really any of my goal. I just like to hear it. I, I like to plug in some speakers, twist some knobs and, and hear some chaos. That's so cool. I love that, man. I love it. I really do. I, don't get me wrong. I wish I, I wish I was good. I, I, I wish I knew, you know, I wish I was like, what's his name? Richard Duvine, who can make all that crazy trance and techno. And that's not me though. I, I don't know. I'm just not that good at it. <laughs> well, like I can relate because, um, you know your end of it like i can barely tie my shoes let alone build a module so <laughs> it just goes to show you know you kind of get into whatever your interests are like right personally i've never went the diy route because i'm like i want to spend all my free time making music oh sure you know and, and i don't think there's anything wrong with either side of it it's just that you know I, I don't know how it is for you but i know when i see people that can build 
I get a little bit jealous. I get jealous of the people who can build really small SMD stuff. And I get jealous of the people who can program digital modules because that is way above me. Um, the I can do SMD like down to, I don't know, 0603, but anything lower than that, I... As not me, because <laughs> I do everything by hand. I don't. I don't bake anything. I don't use hot air. I just do everything with an iron. Um, but I don't know. Through hole is really really fun. It's gratifying. Uh, the only thing I don't like about through hole is there's millions of of leads that get everywhere over time, like in your carpet, and then you right. step on them and they hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the grown-up version of Legos. It is. Well, yeah. the geek version of Legos, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even just the sitting on the floor and driving into your feet part. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so if anyone wants to check out your work, Josh, or or any of the you know modules and stuff that you're doing, or PCBs, panels, uh, where can they find that? Uh, I have a reverb store. Uh you can just search for CruceFX, C-R-U-C-F-X, uh, on Reverb, or I think it's called Cruces Gear Depot. They give you some funny name when you first make your uh, make your account. Um, but yeah, you can, or you can just literally type in C at Lombard on Reverb, and you can probably find my PCBs. Um, I believe they're all categorized under that, or under Cosmo. Uh, some of my stuff uh, for Cosmo format is on there. Um, I did a format jumbler in Cosmo format. Uh, that way you can hook up, see it Lombard stuff to the big quarter inch jack stuff or uh, the 3.5 millimeter jack stuff. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so Reverb is the best place, or you can always message me on Facebook if you find me on Facebook. Okay, that's awesome, Josh. Thanks. I'll, I'll throw a link to your Reverb store in the notes as well just to make it easier sure and uh i'm sure if anyone else wants to find you uh see at lombard forum on lines is a good place to look too yeah yeah the lines forum thanks so much for your time man absolutely thanks again jay